0: Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234 803 Or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Okay, um... We have a question we want to look into tonight, and it's coming from mighty 24. So we quickly read that, look at mighty 24 from verse 24 to 28, that's where the question is coming from. Uh, mighty 24, verse 24 to 28, the world said, for there shall arise false Christ and false profit. And shall show great signs and wonders, in so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, "Behold, he is in the desert," go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. For as the lighten, lightning, cometh out of the east and shine it even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever or wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Other translations, you see, there will the vultures gather together. So we have, that word eagles there, in some translation you have vulture. other translation you have eagles. Uh They are actually saying the same thing. In any case. So now the question is this. The question is taken from verse 27 to 28. And it says, Jesus promised that his coming shall be like lightning that flashes across the sky from east to west. And in verse 28, he further said that wherever the carcass is, Dear the vultures, we gather. The question is, what does this mean? Praise the Lord. So that's the question I want to answer, start answering. What does it mean? The eagles gathering together in the carcass, where the carcass is there, the eagles will gather together, and then it talks about the lighting of shining from the east to the west. So, okay, uh, it's an interesting question, and uh, I just believe that uh, we'll be able to do justice to it, but not just today. Now, in terms of lighting, it is used in about three dimensions, which I'm going to explain to you. It is symbolic, but it prevails two I mean, three types of of issues. Let me put it that way. So the first ground is coming as lightning is a gradual move of a new order. A new order. A new beginning. When you talk about coming as lightning, it speaks of a new order, it speaks of a new beginning, a new order. Coming into place. We're uh, going to give you some scriptures on that. But first of all, understand this that this question that are coming to Jesus is all based on verse 1 to 3 of Mighty 24. So you go back again, first of all, to Mighty 23. I mean 24, 1 to 3. Verse 1 to 3. And it says. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Remember then he saw Jerusalem and he went for Jerusalem. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Verse 2 says, And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? That's King James. Now, three questions are here. Get it right. They came to him to show him all the beautiful works of the temple. You know how beautiful the temple was. And he said, "You don't need to." Now, can we take it for a different translation? Maybe something simpler, so that you can easily pick it. Later, as he was sitting on Mount of Olives, the disciples approached and asked him, "Tell us when are these things going to happen? What will be the sign of your coming?" That the time is up. The time is up. So, go back again. Keep this um, message translation. Go back to verse 1 again. Verse 1. Jesus then left the temple. As he walked away, his disciples pointed out how impressive the temple architect was. Are you getting that? Okay now, verse 2. Jesus said... You are not impressed by all this sheer size, are you? The truth of the matter is that there is not a stone in that building that is not going to end up in a pile of rubbles. So now he told him what's going to happen. And how is it going to happen? The temple that they were showing him was going to be destroyed. And so that follows the next question now, which is verse 3. So go to verse 3. Later, as he was sitting on the mount of Olives, the disciples approached and asked him, tell us, when are these things, what things? Very good. When are these things going to happen? What will be the sign of your coming that this time is up? So, first of all, you have to find out that The time of his coming is tied up to the destruction of the temple. Does it make sense? Very good. Now, if that is true, the next question you ask yourself is, is the temple still standing? Is it still there? We all know the temple was destroyed. Is that not true? Okay. So if the temple was destroyed, does that also mean that he came? Are you following what I'm talking about? I want you to get it. He was walking away. After speaking about Jerusalem and everything, they came to him and said, Oh, Master, look how beautiful this temple really is. The architectural design. You know how all those temples used to be in those times. How beautiful this thing. Jesus said, Are you, I mean, are you bothered about this thing? You're looking at the beauty, all of this thing done in this temple. Everything is going to be brought down. So that statement made to ask the question. So, when is that going to happen? Is that okay? And what would be the the, the the sign that the time this thing is going to happen is also tied to when it's going to come. So when will that be? These are the questions that we're asking. The question came based on his explanation or his statement regarding the temple being destroyed. Is that okay? So now, if you can accept the fact that the temple has been destroyed... It also means he came. Am I might communicate. I want you to follow it. Praise the Lord. So when you read Matthew 24 and you start saying things like wars, well, rumors of war, false prophet, whatever, and all of those things, it's not just talking about your age. It's talking about the thing that happened at a particular time before the temple came down. Those things happened. Uh, I've already written a book on that, 24. we have not published it, we call it The Sign of Christ Coming. And I have to mention a lot of prophets, false prophets that came up at that time, the times of war, I have to mention the type of intrigue that was in the city, the different camps that were fighting themselves, and so on and so forth. But anyhow, if you go back to read all of these things, you'll be able to see where Jesus pointed specific things out. And this one that is mentioned here that we're going to read, is part of the signs that he gave. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, coming as lightning. Okay. So, verse 27 now. Let's get on to verse 27. That's what consigns us. When you take time to reach the of Mighty 24. So, verse 27, the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Amen? Alright. Now, the word coming there actually means Parousia or parousia. A parousia means presence. The word coming means presence. The parousia. Is that okay? Right. There are several shades of Christ coming in the Bible. Almost about six words are used. You have the Heko, the herkomaya, the parousia, and uh, what are you going to call the, the, the epiphania. Different shades of the word in the Greek that are used for the word coming. But here, the word used here is parousia. Um, now, the statement is trying to make here to them is this. You don't seem to so expect a physical being coming when these things are going to happen. Is that okay? Everything is said here in verse 27, if you read from verse 24, talk about false prophet and all that. And then verse 25 on shore there. Told us, if they say go into the chamber that is there, don't go. If they say go to the desert, don't go. Are you following what I'm talking about? Meaning, it's not going to come in a physical form in any geographical location that you can easily go and locate him. Praise the Lord. And so, first of all, this statement was to guide against the false Christ and the false prophets that are going to arise at a particular time. Did you get that? Okay. That shall arise at a time, that's also the time of the tribulation that they went through. When the Roman armies came into the city. And the Bible made us to understand that this tribulation period was shortened because of the sake of the elect. Look at verse 21 and verse 22, you find that. So, but I, the scripture now said, if any man, reading from 23 to 26, from the Revised Standard Version, it says, that if anyone says to you, Lo, here is Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. If they say to you, To be is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, Lo, is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Did you get that? Good. So, he was trying to guide against the false prophet overtaking the people by making that statement. Why? Primarily because his coming is not with outward observation. You can get that in Luke 17, verse 20, 21. Already we are told, When he came to Jesus in Luke 20, I mean Luke 17, 20, 21. And he asked the question, when will the kingdom of God come? Remember that. He answered them, the kingdom never come with what? Observation. Now, you must understand something. The king and the kingdom, they go together. Because you cannot have a kingdom without a king. And so when he was demanded of the Pharisees, When the kingdom of God should come, he answered and told them and and, um, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with what? Observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, or behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So he's trying to make them understand that if false prophet or false teachers comes in those days and begin to tell them, Hey, we just got a prophecy or God revelation, Jesus is over there, maybe at Usubi. Don't go. Okay, just got it now that Jesus just come over and begin to tell you Jesus is now in Lagos. Don't go. Because he's not coming that way. Now, one thing you have to understand again is this. When he said the kingdom does not come with observation, which is like the king. Remember, when he was entering Jerusalem, it was a fanfare, if I may use the word. People lay down, branches, and walking, crowd was following. Do you understand that? Very good. Now, the picture is this. It's like what we have today. You have governors coming to a city or the president coming to a city. The first thing you do is escort riders. Are you getting that? People fail ride into the city. It might still be like at the airport. First riders are already in town, clearing the road. And sometimes, in our days, when I was in Gorilla, growing up in Gorilla, I attended a Jamura Primary School. At that time, we were called St. John. Everybody went, go, and came to town. You know, we all have to go and line up the streets. Right? And then we have these escort riders that will come, climb the machine, raise one leg, you know, demonstrate. They will do all of that. Very far distance. The, the president is still coming. All the ruler whatever at that time is still coming on the way. So that's what he say here. The kingdom of God does not come in that manner. Are you following what I'm saying now? Fine. It does not come in a picture in which you see a royal... Personality coming to town and then the horn is there, siren is going on. Say the kingdom does not come that way. That's what he's trying to say here in Luke 17. Is that okay? Alright. So now he's telling them. So in that case, if they tell you Jesus is over there, don't believe it because it doesn't come that way. It doesn't come in such a physical sense in which royal personality is the entire particular city. Praise the Lord. So, he said here that his kingdom is in the heart of man. And it is from that realm that he shines forth. From the heart of man. The truth of the matter is, the heart of man is the throne of God. Praise the Lord. Amen? So, we demonstrate a kingdom life based on what is within us. And, um, you know the story of Matthew 17 and 1 to 2. How Jesus transfigured. Remember that? You know the story. Am I right? Matthew 17. 1 to 2. You can put it there. Look at what is there. I mean verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2, Matthew 17. Praise the living God. Alright. Um, The Bible says, and after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John. Now, you cannot get this clearly, except you go back to read the last verse of chapter 16. So let's take the last verse of chapter 16, and then we'll come down again. Go back to chapter 16, verse 28, precisely. "Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here, which shall not taste of death, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now go to chapter 17 now. After six days of what? After six days of making that statement. Are you getting that? You must see the connection. After six days of making that statement, that some of you standing shall not taste of death, until you see the Son of Man come in his kingdom. After six days, he took them. Peter, James, and John, and then his brother, and bringeth them off into a high mountain apart. And the Bible said, I was transfigured before them. And his face shone as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. So what happened here? Go, to, go with me to the book of 2 Peter 1. If you can get the Living Bible, fine, or any other one, no problem. Let's see, Second Peter chapter 1, we uh, read from verse 3. It's a little bit of a long reading, but let's try, do something. Okay. He talks about by His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living and a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and then knowledge with self-control, and so on. As well, that's going to be a longer reading. Let's go to verse, go to verse nine, very quickly, or even eleven if need be, so that we can catch up what we're looking at. Go to verse 11. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, let's go on from there. Now therefore I will always remind you about these things even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon live this earthly life. And I've say said that's a big challenge. That it is, it, is, it is something that we need to continuously think about. And cause God to help us attain to. Peter knew when he was going to die. Paul knew when he was going to die. Moses knew when he was going to die. Jacob knew when he was going to die. If I told you must die, it may not be that you wouldn't know when you are going to die. Praise the Lord. Okay. Verse 14. So, okay. So I work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. For we were not making up clever stories. Listen closely. When we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. Are you following it? Verse 18. When you receive honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly beloved son, who, I brings, who brings me greater or great joy. We ourselves had that voice from heaven when we were with him on where? On the holy mount. Now the point I want to show you back again to verse 17 now. No, verse 16. Look at verse 16 again. We were not making up clever stories when we told you, praise the Lord, about the powerful word coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. What did they see? They saw what? The coming of Christ. What was the coming of Christ then? The revelation of the glory that was within him. Remember, after six days, he takes Peter, James, and John. And that experience of the Mount of Transfiguration is what Peter is recounting here. And it causes what? The powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning the promise he made to them was fulfilled on the mount of transfiguration. That was the revelation from within Jesus. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. So we can find that this is actually the meaning of the shining forth. You find that light broke forth out of him. Huh? It made us understand that the glory was so much that his face, even clothes that he put on, were shining like the new day sun. Is that not true? Alright. So that is an aspect of Christ's coming. So when we talk about coming as light, we should be able to understand that one of the ways by which this is used is to describe an inauguration of a new season. He was bringing them to a new order when he went to the mountain and they saw something completely different from what they have already been saying before. Their light came forward. Praise the Lord. The second aspect of which the light is used is God coming in triumph and restoration? God coming in triumph and restoration. Let's look at Zechariah 9, verse 14. Zechariah 9, verse 14. Praise the Lord. The Bible The Lord shall be seen over them, and his armor of war, of deliverance, shall go forth as a lightning. Praise the Lord. Did you see that? And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning, and the Lord God shall blow the trumpet, and shall go with white wind out of the south. So with the understanding of this lightning coming, of God's power in spirit, the psalmist also made a statement, that uh, is, uh, if you go to Psalm, or uh, Psalm, we're gonna talk now, uh, Psalm, let's look at Psalm 91, no, psalm 97 we look at verse 1 to 11 to find a similar picture just write it down because of time we may not able to read so many of those things praise the lord one to seven i don't know if to 11 that's a long reading we may not be able to take that but if you take time to go you'll be able to see again that this is talking about god coming down and the light is referring to god It's a triumph triumphant i mean a symbol of triumph of god's triumph and restoration of a people. Praise the Lord. Amen? Alright. I'm trying to give you some of these things before you can see them. Now, when the Lord goes forth, His enemies are scattered. That's what you find in Psalm 97. Let the Lord that I listen to be scattered, you find that in numbers and so on and so forth. But it comes as lightning. That's the point I'm trying to say. It. So we find that when the Lord goes forth, His enemies are consumed. The lightning goes round the wall. And the idol worshippers are ashamed. The Zionists rejoice because of his judgment. Light comes to the righteous. This is a summary of what you are supposed to find in Psalm 97, 1-11. I'm just summarizing that for you. So you go back and read it. Oh, praise the Lord. So he's saying, if these things are happening, then the next thing that comes to the mind of the disciples is, Therefore let no man deceive you. About my coming, the Christ, for as the lighting coming out of the east and gradually shining even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be, which is Matthew twenty four twenty seven. Now, if this were to be a physical movement, the whole world cannot see Jesus at the same time, because the world do not see the sun rising at the same time. Did you together. He said, "His coming shall be as the sun." Rises from the east and south to the west. Now if we think, like I've always been told, when he's coming from the sky, every eye shall see him. Have you heard that before? Good. Now if, he, if it is true that that is the way he comes, the point I'm raising now is, every eye in the world cannot see him. This is Nigeria and that's America. They are just waking up. This is their morning time. We are thinking of going to bed. The earth is rotated. And so, if you are in Nigeria here standing and pointing up in the sky, somebody maybe in Australia will be pointing down. Because both of you are not in the same zone around the world. Are you following what I'm talking about? So, therefore, if it's coming, if, if the way we'll be looking at it, <laughs> it's like we're looking up to see him, other people are looking down to see him. You follow what I'm saying here? So, fine. So the coming is not a physical thing. Like you see the sun, natural sun right from the east. And then you're thinking that that's the way it's going to come. It's not a physical thing. That's what I'm trying to make you see. Praise the Lord. Okay. So the wall is not, you know, facing the sun at the same time. So, get it right. It comes in judgment and restoration. Basically, like I are saying. But we're going to deal with the aspect of lighting and divine judgment. This is what consigns the most in Matthew 24, verse 27, that we're going to be dealing with. Coming as lightning, in form of divine word, judgment. So again, we'll find that, what do we really mean here, that Jesus is talking about, in terms of coming as lightning, that shine from the east to the west? First of all, let it be noted that, lightning is a characteristic phenomenon, that goes with divine judgment. This we shall quickly see as we're going to move on. But let us quickly consider one particular thing now. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, 17 and 18. Luke chapter 10, 17 and 18. Praise the Lord. Bible and the to return again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils have sought their us through their name. What's the next thing? And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Praise the Lord. Now, will you want to believe that this is a physical human being dropping from heaven? Praise the Lord. Now, Jesus has saw Satan fall from heaven like what? A lightning. So, what, what do you think Jesus was talking about? Praise the Lord. So, again, we'll find that this wasn't a physical being that fell from a particular location. In a simple sense, let me put it this way. You can find in our society some people can be rich, and if for In fact, people refer to them as from grace to grass. Have you seen things like that? Huh? Have you had stuff like that? Good. That's a fall. He has fallen from grace to grass, meaning he has lost his weight, he has lost his power, he has lost everything. So when a man falls, it simply means he has, it's not, it's not, it's not geographically describing, but it's describing a state of existence. Are you with me? So to say Satan, he saw Satan fall, what he means to say is that Satan loses his power because the, the I mean, you know, the disciples went out and were casting out devils. Good. They were dethroning devils from the heart of men, recruiting them, and re, I mean, bringing them into the kingdom of God. So the devil was losing his power. In other words, the position the devil was occupying was no longer acceptable or being allowed. He was losing everything that he was So we can say in our own language, he was falling from grace to grass. It's coming down. That's what it means to fall. Is that okay? So now he said it's falling like lightning. That's the way Jesus described it. So Jesus was only talking about a judgment that was already passed on Satan through his death and resurrection, the cross, who was controlling the heart of men. We you find in Ephesians two. look at verse two, verse six I mean six and twelve. Be able to get that right in Ephesians 2. Let's look at verse 2, if you will. So, I'll show you them. Where in time passed. Okay, just take it from verse 1, so that it makes sense. Look at them from verse 1. And ye had a who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time passed, you walked according to the cause of this world, According to the prince of the power of the earth, the spirit that walketh in the children of disobedience. You together. So now, Satan as it were, was and is in the heart of men. So when the disciples went out, they cast out Satan from where he was occupying. And so who now occupies the heart of those people? God. They become the temple of God. Is that okay? Very good. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. The dethroning of Satan from the heart of men. But he described it as lightning. Meaning, judgment was being passed on Satan and his powers. And everything happened in relation to his cross. Amen? So, right from 2,000 plus years now. It's not just 2,000. It's more than 2,000. Satan was dethroned from occupying the hearts of men. Praise the Lord. Alright. You know, we read the scripture that talked about if the Son of Man be lifted up, We will draw all men. Is that okay? And then when you go down to But let's look at Matthew, I mean John 12, in relation to his death. John 12, 31 and 32. If you can get in the translation, fine. John 12. Now is the judgment of this world. Okay, let's go up a little bit, so that you can get the picture a little bit right. Go up again to verse 29. The crowd standing by had it and said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is a judgment of this world. Now shall the ruler of this world be cast out. You got on a bit. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Now, if you look at the whole picture here, going back a little bit to maybe verse 26 down, the background to this story was some people came looking for Jesus. And they went to Andrew, and Andrew went to Philip, and then, I mean, Philip to Andrew. And then they went to Jesus and told him, some Greeks want to see you. And then he told them, if a corn of wheat abide, I mean stays, they abide alone. But if you fall to the ground, you bring forth much fruit. That's the background to the whole thing. But the point I'm showing you here now is the post 30 and 31. Now is the judgment. Not today. Then. When he said that, he said that in relation to his going to the cross. Praise the Lord. He said that in relation to his going to the cross. And he's trying to tell us that the cross is what Judge who? Satan. Is that okay? Praise the living God. I want you to get it because it's very important. So the judgment has to do with his cross, his death, his ascension into heaven, and the outpouring of what? Of the Holy Spirit. The whole of that story was finished. Satan lose his power 2,000 years ago. The truth is, we tried to promote him. But actually, he's a defeated person. Is that okay? He was judged and sentenced 2,000 years ago. He was a criminal that I was sentenced, and a fact for me He's sentenced to death. Hallelujah. He said, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now, he said this before he got to Luke chapter 10. When he started telling the people to go out and to do what? To cast out devils. Praise the Lord. So if we can see that the fall of Satan as lightning is not a physical matter, then it will not be difficult for us to understand that Christ's coming as lightning cannot be what? A physical matter. That's what I'm trying to say. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Now we find the same picture in David's son's of deliverance from the hands of his enemies and Saul. If you Take time to read again. Uh, let's just take Psalm 18 verse 9. Actually he's talking about the deliverance from the hands of Saul and all of his uh, enemies. He bowed the heavens also, and came down, and darkness was under his feet. Uh, look at the next thing. And he rode upon a cherub, and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place, his pavilion round about him, with dark waters and thick dark of the skies. And the brightness that was before him. His thick cloud passed hail, stone, and coals of what? Of fire. That bright darkness there speaks of what? Lightning. And he's saying when this bright darkness move, what's the next thing that follows? Hail, stones, and coals of what? Of fire. He's speaking about divine judgment. Is that okay? And all of this, if you take time to read it, David was actually trying to say, God have consider my case and judge my enemies so that I can be free. Praise the living God. Are you there? Okay. So lightning in this context speaks of God's divine judgment upon the wicked. There is nothing physical happening in all of these passages that we've just read, but with the description of God's movement in what? In judgment. Now that's something very interesting I would like us to see again in Isaiah 30. Very interesting something again. And the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard, and shall show the lightning down of his arm with the indignation of his anger, and with the flame of a devouring fire. With scattering and tempers and hailstones. Praise the Lord. Did you get that? Now what I want you to pick there is, His glory was to be heard and then He shall show what? The lightning down of what? Of His arms. I want you to get that because very important. Very important. Now, go to Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. Let's look at verse 1 to 3. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. The prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shigonot. O Lord, I have heard thy speech. I was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. God came down from Tema, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens. And the earth was full of what? Of his praise. His glory. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, And his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand. And there was the hiding of what? Of his power. So his power is hidden in the light. Did you get that? Praise the Lord. So we find here that Scripture is talking about the hiding of God's power in the light. So in this dimension of this mighty um twenty four verse twenty seven or considering, it's talking about the hand of God coming in judgment upon Jerusalem, because the whole picture was about the fall of Jerusalem in A D seventy. Are you following me? So here Habakkuk is describing for us, just like David has even spoken before, that there is a lightning that is coming in, and that is the revelation of the hand of God. And it's all for what? Judgment. So, if you go back again now to Matthew 24 verse 27, considering all this fact, when the Bible says, for there is a lightning coming out of the east and shining even unto the west. We must understand that the Lord made this remark in most particular manner, pointing out the very fact that the Roman army will come in to Jerusalem. At this stage, God is going to use the Roman army to come and invade Jerusalem. Now the Roman army at this time becomes the hand of the Lord. Hallelujah. So they entered into Judea on the east, on the historical perspective, and carried on their conquest westward. Is that okay? The Romans soldiers started, they entered through Judea, they entered from the east, and then they moved towards the east, conquering and killing, whatever the case may be. Praise the Lord. Uh, they did a lot of damage extensively. Now the very route which the army also took were intended in the comparison of lightning issuing from the east and shining to the west. And I would like us to begin to look at this a little bit closer. Coming from the east and shining to the west. In the natural, that's the way it is. Is that okay? So, let's look at how this thing works in terms of coming from the east and shining to the west. But get this point right. He said, it's coming as lightning. Is that okay? And we're trying to say... The lightning, the last part I give to you as touching the meaning of the word, has to do with divine word, judgment. That is what mighty 24:27 is talking about. He's talking about judgment. And judgment upon Israel at that time, which was actually in AD 17. Okay? And again I said, he made mention of that so that they would not be deceived, they would not be misled by the first prophet, and the first people that will arrive to say, I am Christ. Um, I, I don't think we can be able, I will have been able to show you a video clip of a man, I've forgotten his name, but it's based in the U.S. Man, you need to see this guy at church, he's crazy. You need to see the church. Now, he said, he is the Christ that the people are looking for, that they're waiting for. People shouldn't go anywhere. And you know what he did? All his members, they wear sixty six in their body. They go to the, to the tattoo shop, to tattoo 666 in their body. Throw them up. They say, I am 666. Um, they responded wrong, that the church misinterpreted 666. <laughs> so, we can say these guys is like a false Christ. There are many. At the time of even Jesus, there were so many of them. Who come in to say, I am Christ, I am Christ, I am Christ. And Jesus was saying, don't follow them. So, he was giving out something that would enable them to know what was going to happen. Praise the Lord. So let's look at understanding the east to the west direction. That he mentioned there in Matthew 24 verse 27. The east to the west directional movement simply describes the move of God's glory back to his temple. Which has to do actually with his people. Because you are God's temple. Is that okay? You are God's temple. Through the east gates. Look at Nehemiah 3 verse 29. When the temple was built, Nehemiah 3.29, when the temple was built, we found that the eastern gate was specially reserved for God. After they repaired Zadok, the son of Eaman, over against his house, after him repaired also Shemaiah, the son of Shepherd, the keeper of the east gate. Now, I don't know, but I've mentioned this to you sometime. Okay, look at first chronicle again. First Chronicles chapter nine verse eighteen. First Chronicles chapter nine verse eighteen. The eastern gate. First Chronicles, not Isaiah. First Chronicles chapter nine, verse eighteen. First Chronicles. Alright. It just said who is at the water in the king's gate eastward. They were postals of the companies of the children of Levi. The point is this. The eastern gate was the gate the kings used, even in the city. And in the temple, the eastern gate was the gate that was reserved for God to come in. Now, if God is coming into the temple, it comes in his glory. Not a physical being. Is that okay? It comes in his glory. You need to understand that. So the kings also were moving right from this particular dimension. And so, if you take time to read the book of Ezekiel, you find that the vision of Ezekiel is describing the coming of the Lord. It was coming from the eastern gate. Praise the Lord. Amen? Uh, let me see if we can read something for you there. It's a long reading. We can't be able to do that now. But, let's go. Ezekiel, 40, Ezekiel 43. Let's look at verse 1 to 3. Ezekiel 43 verse 1 to 3. 1 to 3. Verse 1 says, Afterward he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looked towards the east. That's a revelation. It's a vision. And to and behold the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east. And his voice was like a voice of many waters. And the earth shined with his glory. Where is he coming from? From the east. Who is Jesus? The glory of of God. Is that okay? Alright. Just read on a little bit. And he said, And it were according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city, and the visions were like the vision that I saw about the river Kedah, and I fell upon my face. You can, you can teach them to read that to verse 9. But what I'm trying to make you see here is, it describes the coming of the glory of God through what? The eastern gate. And uh, the eastern gate was reserved for the Lord's use only. That's what we find in verse 2. This is the gate of which the glory has entered on the parting from the temple. It departs from that gate. It comes in through that gate. But the glory of God is departing from Israel, from the temple, it goes through the eastern gate. When it's coming into the temple, it comes in through the eastern gate. Praise the living God. Okay, so when you look at Matthew twenty-three verse thirty-eight, when it says, "Behold, your house is left to you desolate," that was a movement of the glory leaving the temple through the eastern gate. Are you there with me? So let's consider these facts. The ark was always placed to the west in the temple, facing the east. If you you look at the picture of the tabernacle in the wilderness, you have the holy place, I mean the altar court, the holy place, and the most holy place. Is that okay? The ark was always placed where? At the most holy place. The altar court was supposed to be the entrance facing the east. So you find that even the high priest coming in to officiate comes from what? the eastern direction to the west direction. By implication, you truly meet with God in the west direction. The east gate is a movement towards the west direction. where he settles and abounds. Praise the Lord. The ark was placed that way facing the east. Lot journeyed to the east when he was leaving Abraham. Abraham settled in the west Lord journeyed to the east. Meaning, Lord was living in the presence of God. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. He left the presence of God to the realm of destruction. Sodom was to the east. Abraham settled in the west. Lord went to the east. I want you to Three. The eastern outside the Jews often buried their people with the head to the west, so that in the resurrection they will face God rising from the east and I don't know but I think some time pass when people actually want to bury I think in my village those times too there's a direction they don't want the leg of the person to face I think they got this culture from the from the Jews as well when the Jews are burying their people they must make sure the head of the person faces the west the leg face the east. Because when you are rising, they believe in resurrection. So if I'm lying down now, with my head this when I'm rising, I'm rising to face my God. Coming from the east. Do you understand? I don't know if this part is still going on. So exactly what are we saying here? As the judgment of God goes on in Jerusalem, throwing down all religious concepts that stood against the, the true life, which is Christ, they will then be put to shame. So, even as God called King Cyrus a type of Christ, also He rose—I mean, he, he raised Him from the east. He said, "I'm going to call somebody from the east," and that was King Cyrus. You understand that now? Very good. So, uh, I don't know how far we can go with this. Time is almost gone again. Uh, I want to read something. Okay, let's look at Matthew 10, and verse 27. But you remember, in John 3:19, Jesus said, in several other passages, he said, I'm the light of the world. Is that okay? Right, so, if, like the Jewish man, if you tell him about light, he understands something about the movement of God. So, even if he says, I'm going to come like lightning from the east, the Jewish man suddenly will understand what he's talking about. Because if it is come from the east, in the first place, saying I'm coming as a king from the east, because the king used that gate, I'm coming as God from the east. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Because the gate is up for only God, and his glory to come in. So, he was identifying himself with who he was, which has to do with the light of God. Praise the Lord. What I tell you in darkness, that I speak here in light, and what you hear in ear, that preach here upon the of Ye in light, is what I want you, want you to see there. He is the light of the world, John three nineteen, he has already said several of those statements. So now, in the light, meaning if you become part of the light, is that okay? Blow it at the house top. He's speaking as one that is with Christ. Praise the Lord. Okay. So again we find that actually here he's talking about the sudden judgment that will come to Jerusalem. They're gonna be unaware of it. They won't know when it's gonna happen. They didn't have an idea when the Romans began to come into the city. Praise the living God. Alright. So, it's like coming as this sudden surprise to the world, dispensing the power of darkness as lightning again. You find that looked in Luke 10, 17 to 18. You can read that. And so, we find that it's gradually beginning to rise in his people and eventually lighten the whole world. He is light, and this light is coming gradually. If it's a time to study uh, the position of Jerusalem or Israel in relation to the world, it's like it's in the center of the world. You go the direction, I go to Africa, you go the direction, I go to, to the West, to the U.S., and all that. And you see, as at when this gospel time was on, there's something we need to understand. You don't need a passport or a visa to enter into an anonymous country. So you find that the apostles were just moving from all directions. So it's like God had a central nation for where the gospel can go out to the rest of the world. Freely they were traveling. You don't need passport at that time. Praise the living God. So the Bible is making us to understand then as as it were, He was going to arrive from the east. So if you find the direction of Israel, it's like it's east to the rest of the world as well. And you see the light coming from one particular location and spreading to overtake the rest of the world. And one thing you need to understand, as the light is going, judgment is also following, because that which is holding man back, is being broken when the gospel enters into a particular nation. You understand it? Praise the Lord. Alright, we can take a little reading from the Old Testament again. Deuteronomy 32 verse 7, I mean 33 verse 7. Deuteronomy 33 verse, oh, let's take verse 2 instead. Let's take verse two, or oh, one and two, will be fine. One and two will be fine. Let's look at verse one and two. And in this is a blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before he died, before his death. And verse two says, and he said, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousand of his saints. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. You know the word there, I want you to pick again, he shined forth. Shining forth means he was coming out from the realm of obscurity. Praise the living God. Okay. Alright. Um, back again to Habakkuk. read it before, but let's take it again. Habakkuk chapter 3, 1 to 4. Habakkuk 3, 1-4. The prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shigonoth. Oh o Lord, I have heard that speech. I was afraid, O oh Lord, revive that walk in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in rock, remember mercy. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of what? Of His glory. Now, this is something you need to pick now. As he begins to come to his temple, which, which is what you are now, he's coming for restoration at the same time he's coming for judgment. He's judging the things in your life and establishing his own temple the way it's supposed to be. It's a two-fold move. I mean, effect of that movement coming into your life. Because truly now you are a temple. There's no specific temple that God is intended to visit any other more, or a temple which is people. In fact, Scripture said, the tabernacle of God is with men. Do you understand that? So, if His life begins to come to us, we are becoming His people. Now, let's read Jude chapter 14. Remember in 33, Deuteronomy 33, 1 and 2, it talks about the Lord coming with what? 10,000 of what? Of his saints. Okay. Now look at Jude. Chapter 14. I mean verse 14. Jude. Oh. Yeah. The last book. The revelation. Very good. And Enoch also. The servant from Adam. Prophesied of this saying: Behold. The Lord cometh with what? Ten thousand of his saints. Now. This is describing the New Testament. As compared to the Old Testament that we read in Deuteronomy 33, verse number 2. Are you done with me? In Deuteronomy 33, we read of the Lord coming with 10,000 of His saints and He gave them His laws. Actually, we're just describing Mount Sinai. Is that okay? Right. Now, what God is doing, and don't forget something, when the Lord came down on Mount Sinai, help me Lord, that's okay. When 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 he came down on my signing, he gave them laws, and in giving of the law, he was marrying them to himself. It was a union. Is that okay? Good. They were signing a contract of, yes, I do. Will you marry this man? Yes, I do. Huh? Are you with me? Very good. That's exactly what took place. After the whole law was read and Israel said, Yes, whatever thing the Lord has said, we will do. So they entered into a relationship. But they couldn't keep the yes I do aspect. So the marriage broke. (laughs) Is that okay? Are you following what I'm talking about? Now when the light is breaking forth today, get this right. I'd like to stop here. Just get this to talk about this. It's the same thing. Mount Sinai equals... Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit came down, the law was given to the people. This time the law is written in the heart of men, not on tablet of stone. We are, we are there receiving the heart of flesh to be able to obey God. Israel had heart, heart of stones so they can obey the commandments. And they were external. But the law we are receiving is a law that is within us. So, essentially, the first thing that you truly do as a believer is that God brings His law to your heart, gives you a new heart to be able to obey His laws. So, the major essence of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, is to cause you to become obedient to whatever thing God is saying. It's ability to hear God and to obey God. The key point is to obey God. I, I tried to show you, I think, last week. I told you in Exodus 32. I mean, just Exodus 32, when 3,000 were killed, remember that by Levi? What happened in Acts chapter two and 3? three? 3,000 were what? Elder to the church. So it's just balancing what went wrong. So in in, in Mount Sinai, the law was given. Now the law has to be kept externally by struggling to keep it. But in the New Testament, the Lord is written where? In your heart You don't struggle to keep it. And it gives you the energy to be able to do it. Now, you get this right. In the first place, yes I do. They couldn't keep the yes I do. This time, He did not ask you to come and say anything. He just takes you and marries you. Are you following what I'm talking about? Through Christ, He just gets to marry you. He's not talking about... Answer whether you want to obey me or not. He's not talking about that. He has already said in Hebrews chapter 8, uh, in this new covenant, I'm going to give them a new heart. Right? Their iniquity and sin will not remember no more, and that they will obey me, and they will know me from the least to what? To the greatest. Again, you can check it out in Jeremiah 31, I think, verse 31, and so on. So, that's exactly what is going on here. So, when he's talking about coming with 10,000 of his saints, that includes you. 10,000 is not just a figure. Is, is, is something that describes the fullness of that which God is doing through a people. Praise the Lord. You following me? I want you to get it because it's very important. I think we're going to be stopping here today. I don't know. I'll take it off from here. I'll deal with the issue of the egos properly so that you can get the picture right. But I want you to see that today, that when he talks about light coming in, he's coming in, he comes in judgment. At the same time, he establishes life in that realm which he has judged you in. Because as the common lightning, Satan falls off. But then you become part of the light, because like he said, I am the light of the world. Then what did he say in Matthew chapter 5? He said, you also what? The light of the world. That means he has embodied himself in you. After the old man been destroyed, he now gave himself to you, that through you, he will shine forth into the whole world. So in the true sense, we are the people coming from the east. Is that okay? The glory of the Lord is rising. And as we move, one thing is so imminent. As we move, anything that was supposed to stop God's faith from being is brought down. If you take time to read again from the book of Revelation, you are going to talk about the kings crossing from the east to cross the river Euphrates. You know, are you there with me? Now where are the people crossing? You know, conquer to continue to conquer just like Israel was coming from the wilderness. So you read that the book of Song of Solomon and the next question is who is that coming from the wilderness? Then the heart of men were quaking. men's spirit was failing them. I mean, that is the way it was. Any nation they were going to come across fear and fear grief, the people because they were afraid of this church in the wilderness. And I believe that God is going to raise the church in this world that the enemy shall be afraid of. Praise the living God. We're going to become the true man from the east. Coming through the eastern gates. To enter into the city. To destroy and to establish that which God has in mind. You are the light of the world.